0: Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person who had a magical moment yesterday. Um, I was listening to AM 950, and we broadcast... Take, take actions. Uh, free concert with Jeremy Messersmith to honor International Workers' Day. There's this wonderful connection between music and progressive movements, and it's just inspired this nice feeling. Um, and so, um, but typically in my yard, I have uh, you know a couple bumblebees. But last night, while I was listening to this concert, um, there were dozens of these big old bumblebees on 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 the on the many bushes we have in our yard. It was as if they wanted to hear the concert too, and it was such a glorious sim. A simple moment to have those bubble beans um alive and uh and and, and being able to witness that um, it, was, it was so much fun. Hey, we're live. We're live right now. Uh the call-in number is 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 and behind the controls is Sam. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Good morning. So, 70s. Yay. <laughs>
1: and I, I saw a couple of honeybees,
2: I think, Ooh. myself in my backyard just yesterday.
0: I know. it's they're, 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 they're liking a lot of bird sounds and clean skies. Um, So, I mean, later in the program, we're going to be talking about gardening, and uh, Courtney, uh, Courtney Cheetah with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society is going to be uh, calling in around 830. So, if you have any questions about gardening, give us a call. Again, the number is 952-946-6205. But First, joining us by phone is Paul Sobinski. Um, he's with the Land Stewardship Project. He's also a hog and beef farmer in southwest Minnesota. Good morning, Paul. Uh, good morning. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about the Land Stewardship Project and yourself.
3: Well, first of all, a little bit about the uh, uh, Land Stewardship Project. Uh, Land Stewardship Project is an organization that works on sustainable agriculture. By that, we mean agriculture that uh, First of all, sustains the farmer, uh, where the farmer making is making a decent living from the land, but also sustains the community and sustains the environment. So we look at how the impacts of ag has on local rural communities uh, and our country as a whole, food uh, security, and uh, and then also how we protect our environment stewardship, uh, keeping resources around for generations to come.
0: And uh, your, your it, personal background.
3: My personal background is um, I, I'm a, a livestock farmer um, from Wobasta, Minnesota, uh, which is by Marshall, Redwood Falls. Uh, I raise both beef and hogs. Um have feral to finish operation, and I'm currently uh, um, a livestock producer, particularly with pigs, for uh, Nyman Ranch, in which our hogs are raised in a manner uh, without antibiotics uh, in a deep straw system, Um That type of approach that we take, more of a natural setting that we work with animals.
0: So the news this week is heart-wrenching. About 13,000 pigs a day will be killed at JBS Slaughterhouse in Minnesota, and that's according to uh, U.S. Representative Colin Peterson. And rather than being cuts turned into hams and bacon for stay-at-home shoppers, the carcasses may be dumped in a landfill. Uh, That just hits you in the gut, doesn't it?
3: Oh, absolutely! Um, regardless of what uh, type of hog farmer you are, uh, it's just—it's a terrible, terrible piece because it puts farmers uh, of all sizes in a very bad situation, and and also it's its a, it's a big concern in terms of our food security system too.
0: And, yeah, it's hitting you in the gut. And then at the same time, is it making visible the structures of our food system and our market economy? I mean, here we have a system that many say is the most efficient in the world. And yet at a time of real food insecurities, animals are being slaughtered not to feed people but to go in the landfill. And and so is the intention of our food system to feed people in sustainable ways?
3: Well, um, unfortunately, uh, from a perspective that I've seen as a farmer since the uh, 1980s, we've seen no enforcement of antitrust laws, no enforcement of, 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 of breaking up monopolies. Uh, we've had the concentration of the livestock industry every, every uh, year become more concentrated. We now have China owning Smithfield. Um, we see less players on the field, uh, both in, uh, in terms for farmers where we sell our livestock to, but also where we purchase our products, um, and that's that's a very concerning piece. The I think the key piece, and or at least the key takeaway, is um, from what we're seeing now with the um, the you know the the killing of hogs, and unfortunately, not for uh, for food right now. I mean, it's something given that we have the coronavirus. It's something that has to be done. We have to have a safe way. It's possible to dispose of the pigs because. Uh, half the markets are dried up uh, for Minnesota hog producers right now. They're dried up. There's not a place to go. And um, it shows where uh, the farmers pinch back. It also shows um, in terms of uh, where the workers in the meatpacking plants are also pinched. And so if we had uh, what I believe is important pieces uh, that needs to be done in a more secure food system, you know, like safe and sick time for the workers, uh, we probably wouldn't have the same kind of impact that we have now because, uh, uh, too much is what's happened is that workers, uh, 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 had to come to work. Uh, they felt they had to come to work, uh, because the right now the wages that they're being paid is not enough to sustain their families adequately enough. Um, and without safe and sick time in the workplace, uh, they, if they didn't go to work, uh, for many families, um, they were worried about losing their job. And so um, it it points out the insecurity of that part, you know, hurts uh, farmers across Minnesota because we had not taken those kinds of protections earlier or sooner. Uh, But it also um, points out, uh, you know, they're kind of wearing all of this together, both farmers and workers, uh, that things need to be fair. We need a more dispersed uh, uh, system for um, in terms of meat packing, we need more regional processors, and we need more local processing done in local communities, uh, where the farmers where the food is produced that it can be uh, sold right in the local community.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about that concentration. So uh, China bought out Smithfield, and so about eighty percent of the industrial meat system is controlled by four companies. Is that about right?
3: that's 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 roughly uh, uh, correct, um, and nothing has been done for the last twenty years. Um, the most uh, effort that, uh, in terms of uh, of real control, was done last by Senator Paul Wellstone when uh, he managed to win country of origin labeling, which said that that uh, food need to be identified from which country it was in. Um, he won that after trying a gallon battle to. State Packers should not be able to own livestock in, uh, in our country, uh, and was not able to achieve that. And uh, unfortunately, uh, when President Obama took place, he tried to look at how to get more uh, enforcement and a better system in terms of uh, 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 in terms of markets. But that effort uh, was broke, and as a result, we have a very, in my opinion, a very insecure system. Uh, uh, I, in terms of the, uh, you know, the farmers and, and the public, that's not intentional on, on our parts. But uh, what's intentional uh, is the control of people with all the resources, saying um, of looking at how we can get the hogs from the farmers the cheapest way possible, um, and also uh, a system in which most of the dollars are made by a few people rather than by everybody.
0: Yeah. How we own the means of production, how we, and that's one of the the things that land stewardship has been about. And so, uh, for people to, is is there a difference, um, if I'm shopping at my local co-op or I'm shopping at the farmer's market or I'm buying a CSA or I'm buying from the farmer directly, is there a difference for me making that choice as opposed to running to the big box stores?
3: Well, there certainly is a difference. Um, certainly is more choice uh more cases there uh those dollars uh, if if they can be done spent more in a local setting like a, a co-op those those entities are most often farmers directly market with those local local small co-ops um and and uh that and that means there's more dollars returned to the farmer um uh, just like uh in the program that i'm part of with nyman ranch um it allows farmers like myself to still be independent. That means we own the hogs, and, uh, and we get a little bit more for what we do for the added value that we have of providing um, you know, a choice for consumers um, to, for example, have antibiotic-free pork.
0: Cool. And tell us a little bit about the difference between independent farmers and contract farmers, how that system works. I know there's really good information on FarmAid's website, but has that, has that been a problem?
3: Well, it's a problem in the sense is that in about, um, 1998, when hog prices went down to about $8 per hundred, uh, worse than the depression of the 1930s that my grandfather experienced, uh, that's what I experienced as a hog farmer. And, uh, I was only left with, I was left with two choices. Either, uh, be part of an integrated system. That means be a contract feeder, uh, for a large entity meaning where I don't own the livestock or maybe have two or three barns. You know, a couple thousand had it in each barn. And um, and, and and most of the dollars would go to to the integrator, to the, to the entity in which I was contracting with. I would go into debt to put those barns up and still most of the profit went to somebody else other than the farmer. And yet the responsibility sits with the farmer. Um, so it was a way, um, basically it was a way to cheapen up the supply of hogs going into the major meatpacking companies and the major companies—it's a system that they wanted uh, because the way to get cheaper meat. Um, in the in, back in 1986, when uh, uh, we had one time uh, strong unions across the nation in meatpacking plants, uh, where workers retained a, a very good salary, and we had a more dispersed system where farmers marketed to. The meatpacking industry broke P nine, in my opinion. So, uh, the uh, union at yeah, Paul, we're going to have a- to
0: take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, Hormel strike, the P nine uh, strike, and what it meant for workers and for people. And and how do we how do we do something better? How do how do we change our food system? You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland. We are live nine five
1: two nine four six six two zero five.
4: Formerly the Audubon Center of the Northwoods, Osprey Wilds is a nonprofit environmental learning center on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone, Minnesota. Osprey Wilds has community events like dinner at the lake, maple syrup day, and learning opportunities for all ages. Audit an environmental education college class, snowshoe or ski our trails, or learn about our wildlife programming. We're open to the public year round. Visit online at OSPREYWILDS.org. That's Ospreywilds.org. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell.
1: Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents.
2: Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources.
1: the british are coming the british are coming the british are coming coming. hey you there i'm paul revere the british are coming where is everyone ben franklin dispatched an evacuation warning on facebook didn't you get it
0: hi i'm chad hobart with social media mn If your marketing is behind the times, contact us today online at socialmediamn.com or at 763-244-4058. We can help your business message get dispatched and selected on social media and Google search. We offer uncomplicated, results-driven, and affordable internet marketing solutions for businesses of all sizes. Socialmediamn.com or 763-244-4058. Hi, this is Laura. These are indeed confusing times. So much of our life, education, business meetings have moved online, yet not everyone has Internet access. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, is here for everyone. Radio reaches people without Internet. In fact, radio reaches more Americans than any other platform. 92% of U.S. adults listen to radio every week. Radio connects. If you know some organization, maybe a religious or civic group, seeking to engage and knows that a Zoom call costs money and does not reach everyone, consider a taped or live broadcast on AM 950. Perhaps a virtual not-so-silent auction. Recovery supports spiritual support, business networking, poetry slam. If you want to learn more about creating a live or taped message on AM 950, call 952-946-8885 or email laura at am950radio.com. AM 950, the progressive voice in Minnesota, here for everyone.
1: We all do better when we all do better. That means Everyone. All genders and colors just. Welcome back
0: to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, and we're playing a little music from Jeremy, uh, Meister, smith We had the broadcast yesterday with Take Action Minnesota, and that's a quote from Paul Wellstone. And, uh, with us right now is Paul, um, Sobinski with, uh, the uh, Land Stewardship Project. And Paul, you referred to Paul Wellstone's agricultural work. Um, some was successful, some he kept fighting for. What do you think Paul would say of this moment in, in our history um, with everything that's happening with our food system?
3: Well, Paul would first of all be calling for a breakup of the large meat packers uh, in this country, that he would be ca- calling for immediate investigation, but also calling for action. He'd be calling for a new investment in more livestock processing across the, uh, across the country, uh, more uh, smaller packing plants. He would also be uh, supporting uh, more uh, regional development of those packing plants, more uh, support for uh, making the opportunity for local lockers in every community across the country, uh, enhancing that. He'd be putting the emphasis there. Um, he would be saying he would be immediately calling for a moratorium on, on farm closures all across the country uh, to provide farmers uh, relief to say and uh, through harvest, saying, Hey, we got to say all farmers, regardless of what we believe or what we value as a system, that there's not one farmer in Minnesota or across other states that should be going out of business because of what's happened with the coronavirus. Uh, he would call for protection for them, and then he would be calling for how do we create new systems or more dollars to return to farmer, but also more food secure system. Uh, for our nation's
0: consumers. Let me get the news. Uh, This week, starting Wednesday, 13,000 pigs are going to be killed at JBS Slaughterhouse, um, according to Representative Colin Peterson. And rather than being turned into food for people who are becoming more food insecure, those carcasses carcasses will most likely be dumped in landfills. I mean, this just hits you in the gut. It really does. And and it's just... I mean, I and I loved your answer to what what we can all do. I also um, I wanted to give a shout out to Wendy Pilot. She did such a wonderful job of just um, putting out there a compassionate and hard look at our entire food system uh, when it comes to treating animals with um, dignity, to say the least. Um, so, um, so and I know as a, as a hog farmer and a, a pork fa- and a beef farmer that really works in a, a more of a sustainable way. What, what is the difference from factory farming and the farming that, that you do?
3: Well, the difference really is, is the, um, we, we happen to provide a more of a natural setting. Um, and whether a person, um, uh, I think the difference is the ownership of the livestock is owned by the producer um, in the setting that I work in. Um, we also have other independent producers who are not part of a nyman system, um, and, but there's so few of them compared to what we had in the in the mid '80s. And but those independent producers, whether they're part of the Niman system uh, and not part of a vertically integrated contract system, uh, the local community they support local lumberyards, uh, small town businesses. That's where they get their inputs. Uh, feed mills, et cetera, that that make a big difference. Um, And that's that's a significant piece. And uh, that kind of a system keeps more dollars at home and keeps the local community uh, more uh, uh, thriving.
0: And I know this is going to seem like a real naive question to other people, but if killing 13,000 pigs a day to put them in the landfill, um, uh, you know, there are – videos out there on permaculture sites. I mean, about how to use uh, humanely slaughter pigs. I mean, why can't something else happen now? I mean, why, um, is there any way to change this? I mean, it just feels so outrageous. I mean, Wendy said a blood boil, um, to, to hear about what's happening. And, uh,
3: um, so, um, let me just say this piece uh, about that. Uh, yes, it's appalling that we're slaughtering pigs right now. Um, I know that, uh, for example, at the JBS plant where that's happening, that a big chunk of them are going into rendering, which is a, a very safe way to handle our livestock, and I'm sure they're looking also some at composting, and yes, there might be some cases where they're going to landfills. It's kind of like a necessary piece right now uh, that that happen. What's more important um, is that we get these plants up and running again, and that that we have safe conditions for workers. That if workers feel they need to stay at home or have a family member sick, that they still have dollars coming to support their families uh, and get that going just as fast as we can. Um, what Minnesota has demonstrated, what Governor Waltz has demonstrated by saying, you know, by train to keep people home, and Minnesota's extended the time. Uh, Governor Waltz has shown strong leadership by doing that. If he had not done that, example what we've had at JBS, we'd have going across, all across the state. And I know people are saying, you know, I'm a farmer. I want to be out. I'm out and about. And a lot of people feel that. But we need to also be safe. And so I think Governor Walz ought to be commended for that leadership. But we also now need, in this state, to have a timeout for the farmers who are in trouble. So Land Stewardship Project is calling for extending the mediation period that our legislature gave us a 60-day extension about three weeks back. We're saying that needs to be extended to December 1st through harvest so that uh, farmers can uh, uh, hopefully get a crop in, uh, financial situation improves, markets improve. We, we have hog markets down a third, uh, some cases more. We have beef prices down significantly. We have milk in half. There's significant pressure. So we don't want to feed any farmers, more farmers, lost in minnesota that's what land Stewardship project first wants to do then second of all uh provide resources to farmers like through a farm advocate program we need uh an additional uh, over three hundred thousand more into the farm advocate pro- program in minnesota uh, we have a, a bill on the senate side that gives a hundred thousand more and we're thankful the senate doing that and right now the house and their bill uh they need to uh, bring those numbers up um so uh we also uh, support loan restructuring piece, an opportunity for a farmer who is in mediation to be able to uh, get a restructured loan through the Farm Service Agency in the state, of Minnesota, helping that so, so those are some immediate steps. Long term, we need to invest in a new, more secure food uh, security system with more local, local processing plants.
0: More local. more local. I uh, know I think you just might have uh, hit a spot with the website. But also um, the other thing is that right now this is a mental health crisis for many farmers, as you were saying. It was a farm crisis before COVID crisis. Um, so it's it's a tough time out there for many people. Paul, are you still there? I, mean, I think you may have hit a, a spot. So we're going to be taking a break um, in a less than a minute. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Cordy Courtney Chita with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. We're going to talk about what we can do in our own backyards. Uh, Paul, are you still with us or are you... um well, I think I think we may have to say goodbye to Paul because he's, he's uh, on the cell phone, but I really appreciated his um, contact and his insights. Um, you can get more information at the Land Stewardship Project. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we can reach out and connect with each other. And also, I just want to talk more about that importance of being responsible for our own local food system. You know, we all do better when we all do better. So how do we... For- uh, how do we do a food system that works for all, including beautiful bumblebees? Uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950.
1: We all do better when we all do better. That means everything. The lakes and the rivers, the streams
3: and the Hi, this is Chad from AM 950. I'm here with Ryan, owner of the locally owned Snap Construction and arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor in the metro. Ryan had to call in for this ad because he's practicing social distancing. So what is Snap Construction doing right now to provide a safe working environment? Thanks for the introduction, Chad. I am at home practicing social distancing, watching the little man and uh, trying to get a little work done here at home. Once again, thank you to all the AM950 listeners who have worked with us in the past. Your support has been tremendous. Chad, the safety of our homeowners and our team at Snap Construction is the absolute first priority. Right now, we are offering a free no-contact estimate for roofing, siding, or window replacement. Through video chat, email, text, we'll deliver your bid to you without face-to-face contact. Lock in your
0: historically low labor and material rates now and build later.
3: No obligation. You can cancel any future work with no cost or penalty. For a free no-contact estimate, call 612-333-SNAP.
2: This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you.
4: Hey, it's Brett from FYI Politics, and I want to thank you for listening to AM 950. The advertisers you hear are what allows us to stay on the airwaves. And unfortunately, some of them are going to be going through some tough times with the coronavirus. So support our advertisers in any way you can, whether that's ordering takeout food from one of our Eat Local Minnesota restaurants, purchasing gift cards, or just contacting them and telling them thanks for supporting AM 950. Even the littlest thing you can do can go a long way. Find a full list of our advertisers at am950radio.com. And thanks for listening.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Paul Metz, host of the Wall and Power Radio Hour, telling you about a great event this Sunday night at 6 p.m. on AM 950. Paul Metz and Sonny Earl, we've been playing together since 1997, are doing a live show being broadcast on AM 950. We're going to be playing my original tune, some blues, a little country, and who knows what else. We might even tell some jokes. Live, Paul Metz and Sonny Earl, 6 to 7 p.m. Sunday night on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
2: With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today's going to be mostly sunny with a high near 75, while tonight's clear with a low around 47, tomorrow's sunny with a high near 66, Monday chance of storms with a high near 59, and Tuesday mostly cloudy with a high of 61. With the state closing bars and restaurants for dining in, it's especially important that you support our Eat Local Minnesota restaurants. Restaurants offering takeout include Nightingale, Great Wall, Cafe Latte, Park Tavern, Hazel's Northeast, and more at EatLocalMinnesota.com.
1: We all do better when we all do better That means everyone All genders and colors just love one another We'll have so much fun. Ah, oh, doesn't
0: that feel nice? Let's just love we one another. Have so much fun. So um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Laura Hedlund, and that song you're hearing is from Jeremy uh, Messersmith. Um, he was on uh, Take Action's um, concert that we broadcast yesterday on AM 950. Uh, joining us now is Courtney. Uh, Courtney Cheetah with Minnesota State Horticulture Society to talk all things garden. So I know there's if you have any questions, great time to call in, 95 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Courtney. Thanks so much, Laura. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the Minnesota State Horticulture Society, one of the oldest ones in the country.
5: Yeah, we are a hundred and fifty-four-year-old organization um, that started way back. Uh, you know. A long, long time ago, they really started with the desire to figure out how to grow apples in Minnesota, and it's since evolved to address current issues in horticulture, such as helping gardeners provide habitat and food for pollinators and helping uh, everybody, you know, grow.
0: So, um, and uh, so can we make 2020 the year of the Victory Garden?
5: <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, how do um, we do I that?
5: I think with, with COVID-19, we got to, you know, get out there and grow lots of fruit and vegetables, and um, just increase our food security all around, yeah.
0: And is this something we can do? Can can we safely garden with uh, COVID-19?
5: Definitely. We actually have um, recently launched a new resource hub with lots of information, and there's a whole section on how to safely um, garden in your community gardens in light of COVID-19. Um, we have the, like, state recommendations up there. Uh, there's definitely all kinds of things, you know, making sure that you're you're – Sanitizing tools, and uh, but being outside is highly recommended. Growing food is highly recommended. We we need those actions for food security. So yeah, super important.
0: And yesterday we were at a kind of a, we were at a cool um, um, event. Um, uh, so the friend cell, which needed to be canceled because of COVID, and they usually um, distribute and uh, sell over two hundred fifty thousand different plants. Um, we had them on last week, so they're they're dealing with a lot of um, difficulties and challenges right now. And they were looking at you know, what to do with all these teeny tiny plants, and you know the most rational thing from a market standpoint would be to toss them in the compost pile. But that didn't feel right. It did not feel right to just toss them in the compost pile. So instead, the community rallied, and uh, hopefully they gathered enough $250 to pay for the transportation costs and a few other things, and they distributed these plants free to community gardens. And that was like it was just a fun place to be yesterday, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, it was great. We, we got a whole bunch of plants for Minnesota Green, so that's one of our programs that supports community gardens. We have over 90 community gardens that we will be distributing those plants to. So that's really exciting.
0: So tell us more about Minnesota Green. Yeah, so it is a program
5: that, uh, I mean, essentially we we are there to support community gardens and public garden spaces. So um, organizations join. They um, get a whole bunch of free seeds for their community. I think it's like this year it's on average about 115 packages of seeds for their their groups. Um, and then we also like get contacted. We're getting contacted by a ton of these, these plant sales that are being canceled, so that we can go out and get those plants and then get them out into the ground in community gardens, so that they don't just end up in compost piles. Um, and we also do that with garden centers as well. That when they're like getting ready to get rid of plants, we go in and swoop in and grab them so that they can get out there and into the community.
0: Yeah, and that was the nice thing about yesterday is um, there were a lot of people there. We were keeping safe distance. We all wore masks, six feet away, um, being careful not to share any tools, um, exercising a lot, a lot of caution. But just to hear all the different people working on community gardens, um, it was just it was meaningful. And uh, so, tell us some of the stories that you know of the community gardens that are working right now in the Twin Cities.
5: Oh man, there's so many. Um, and they're all over. They're you know they're in in underserved neighborhoods. They're in uh, you know affluent suburbs. They're um, a lot of them have a focus on growing for food shelves. Um, one of my favorite stories right now is the there's two different um, breweries, um, both Surly and Dangerous Man, who have community garden plots in gardens that they are 100% growing for um, donating to the Sheridan story which is a program that provides food for um, families of kids that are insecure, that have food insecurity issues. Um, And so during the summertime, they take all that food from the gardens and they get it out into the community, into the families that need that food the most, which is really a cool that thing that's
0: going on. Yeah, and there's so much about the food system that just makes my blood boil. Like we know that if people ate more vegetables, fruits and vegetables, we'd have lower health care cost. Um, and yet what the government does is just subsidizes corn syrup um, and, and it's just it, it, it can get it can get so frustrating. Um, um, so it's but, but there are, there's so much power in these individual actions to to pivot in a way that um, is can be sustainable. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And so talk about some of the um, mental health benefits of gardening. Yeah.
5: So there's actually studies that show that just putting your hands in dirt actually like releases endorphins and makes you happier.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: and I've definitely found that to be true over the years. I mean, and just being outside, being, you know, around birds, being, you know, hearing those sounds of nature is such a soothing act Um it's definitely, you know, when you're feeling fried, getting outside and, and growing something, there's so much hope that uh, germinating seeds provide. I know that this this spring I sort of started my own little personal campaign to just try to plant something every day. Hmm. Um, if it was, you know, spinach or carrots or peas. Um, and then, you know, watching those things start to grow has just been such a, a positive thing um, that just, you know, provides a lot of hope. So I it think provides, it's, yeah. It's so magical.
0: It's absolutely magical, it is. isn't it? Yep, definitely. It, it is, and I know there's a lot of studies that if kids grow vegetables, they're more likely to eat them.
5: <laughs> yep, exactly.
0: You know, we, we kind of call kale eat kale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, we have a culture that's like, oh, broccoli, yuck! Yeah. And but a kid grows and sees a little seed growing. So, um, uh, so talk about um, if someone has never grown any food before, what can they do? How can they start?
5: Yeah, so we um, just launched a free Ready, Set, Grow webinar series on um, our our website, northerngardener.org. The first two of those sessions, seed starting and garden planning, are both available online for free. You can download them and watch them. The third one, Growing Vegetables, kind of a Growing Vegetables 101, is going to be happening this Thursday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. So you can log on, and I'll tell you all about how to grow, all the ins and outs and tricks for for growing broccoli and growing Brussels sprouts and growing all those vegetables that we want to, you know,
0: eat more of. Right. And um, uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about your personal background. What's what is your uh, how did you get yeah. interested?
5: So I, I was always um, really interested in science and the environment as a kid. Um, I took every science class I could in high school uh, and started college and got really interested in horticulture and plants and did my undergraduate degree in horticulture. Um, I worked in a lot of different jobs in horticulture through college, um, and worked as a native plant nursery after college, and then really just felt this desire to teach sustainable agriculture. So I went back to school, and uh, back to the University of Minnesota, got a degree in agriculture education, and then sort of uh, fell into a position uh, running the student organic farm at the U of M for the last 17 years, and then just in January, I jumped over to the the Horticulture Society to to continue this work of uh, supporting gardeners and and to keep, you know, helping people grow things. And it's been so fun to see how many of my former students I run into now these days who are out there doing magical things out there in the, the food system work.
0: So it's really cool. Yeah, and so um, 17 years at the, at the organic farm at the University of Minnesota, so um, you, you know your plants. And again, I'm going to shout out to people if you have, they have questions. I think the big question is when can we start planting things? And we should be worried about a frost still, shouldn't we? Even though it's going to be 75 today, we should be thinking so that, it, there might that, be a frost.
5: That frost growing is really for those warm season crops. So things like tomatoes and peppers, you should definitely wait till, wait for those. Um, until at least, you know, May 15th, if not even June 1st. Um, But there's so many things we can plant right now. All the cool season crops can get out there. Um, I've had, you know, the peas, the carrots, the um, radishes, broccoli, kale, uh, all sprouting up. Um, They've all gotten snowed on and they're just fine. Uh So even if it gets cold again and we get a little, you know, some snow flurries or a frost, um, a light frost isn't going to hurt them. Even a, you know, cold, you know... (laughs) They've literally got you know two three inches of snow this last little uh, storm that we had and they've all just bounced back beautifully so I think we have a lot of options that we can get out there and plant. Um, winter sowing is one of my favorite things that I've been doing is growing in milk jugs. So I have like you know fifteen twenty milk jugs in my backyard um, that I've been starting seeds in. So um, get on. We have a great resource for for winter sowing and how to do that on our website as well.
0: Um, And so what's your idea of food freedom? Um, I think
5: food freedom is all about just, you know, having the food available to you um, and and being able to grow it yourself and knowing how to grow it. That's that's a really important, that educational piece I think is really important. But then I think it's all about, like, supporting the local farmers, too. Um, I know how hard it is to, to be a farmer and to grow things. Um, For your community, and so supporting those farmers who are doing that day in and day out is really important to me too.
0: Right, because I mean, we're having so much economic churn right now, and uh, uh, so much fear, and it's 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 so it can be um, overwhelming for so many people. And and yet the little act of watching a seed grow into a cow plant and buying these plants from each other somehow I think we can you know create that. That world, we all do better when we all do better, including the bees.
5: Definitely, yeah. And, and growing for pollinators is a really big um, trend right now that we're seeing where people want to, you know, figure out how to grow best to support those those little beings. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to just, you know, plant lots of clover. White Dutch clover is such an amazing plant for pollinators and all those good insects. It's got those little teeny tiny white flowers. You can just overseed your yard with it. Um, it's not gonna like it's gonna coexist with your your lawn. It might outcompete it a little bit, but that <laughs> seems like a good thing to me these days. Um, and then what you know, about people? What about people yeah. who don't have
0: yards, like uh, people who live in apartments? And how do we connect?
5: I mean, I think you know, there's there's community garden plots. There's if you've got balconies, if you've got you know whatever you've got, and you can do something with, um, do it. Um, Planting plants that have tiny flowers tend to be um, better for pollinators than really big, showy flowers, Um, so even planting herbs like dill and cilantro that have those little tiny flowers that are perfect for all those beneficial insects in our garden, um, that can be really helpful too.
0: Cool and okay, so now is the time if uh, a, a, a simple pack of a I, I, I got my peas and beans um, which um, they don't even require that much fertilizer. you can just put the beans and peas and pick them all year round so um, how would you plan to how would you plant a pea or bean? So
5: peas and beans are really uh, they they have like this added <laughs> superpower. Um, where if you can actually get some inoculant, which is available at a lot of garden centers and even hardware stores sometimes, um, it's just black powder Ooh. that has mycorrhizae dust in it. We're going to have to come um, back
0: and- on that one. You're listening. We're going to take a little oh, bit of a break, Courtney. And we'll come back. Um, uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM nine fifty.
1: The lakes and the rivers, the streams and the critters, all that lives.
0: p
5: I'm Candy Brothel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com.
4: Formerly the Audubon Center of the Northwoods, Osprey Wilds is a nonprofit environmental learning center on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone, Minnesota. Osprey Wilds has community events like Dinner at the Lake, Maple Syrup Day, and learning opportunities for all ages. Audit an environmental education college class, snowshoe or ski our trails, or learn about our wildlife programming. We're open to the public year-round. Visit online at osprey.com. WILDS dot org. That's Ospreywilds.org.
0: Finding the right lawyer is incredibly stressful. It can
4: be tough to know even where to
0: start. Don't just run an internet search for an attorney. Start with the Minnesota Lawyer Referral and Information Service, an enhanced program of the Hennepin and Ramsey County Bar Associations. They'll connect you with over two hundred thoroughly vetted, qualified attorneys practicing in over fifty areas of law. Call six one two or go to mnlawyerreferral.org the right call for the right
4: lawyer hey i guess we found a new name for our show really what's the new name pilots progressive party
1: how did you ever come up with that
4: <laughs> pilots our name and progressive fun is our game
1: <laughs> well what's that about
4: it's a one-hour new show with progressive guests and information you normally don't hear on the radio.
1: Well, that's so exciting. I have a few ideas for guests myself.
4: I know they'll be progressive.
1: Wednesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on AM 950. The Progressive Voice of Minnesota.
2: Even though these are challenging times, All Energy Solar is still committed to providing you a cost-effective, environmentally friendly energy system through their zero-contact protocol. Solar remains a great value and long-term investment, but some of the incentive programs will be expiring soon. All Energy Solar can walk you through the entire process. They can evaluate your property by phone or webinar and can even complete preliminary design work without visiting your home. So start saving on your energy bill today and visit allenergysolar.com.
1: We all do better when we all do better That means everyone All genders and colors just love one another We'll have so much fun
0: Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and joining us on the phone is Courtney. And uh, Courtney is with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society. We're talking um, gardening. And when we went to break, you were talking a little bit about the fertilizers and how uh, peas and nitrogen, uh, peas um, and and beans can be so good for our soils.
5: Yeah. So if you if you add a little bit of a this
0: um, so this black powder,
5: um, there's a couple different ways you can you can add it to those seeds you can kind of dredge them through when they're dry uh, you can get them wet and then dredge them through you can mix it with water till it's like the consistency of a runny yogurt and run them through there and then plant them but what that does is it actually uh, adds the mycorrhizae in this, into the soil that can connect with those roots then and then it'll actually pull nitrogen out of the air uh, and bring it down into the roots and for that plant and then actually it'll help feed subsequent plants as well so Peas and beans are really, really great
0: for your garden. Definitely grow those. And what's that product's name again? Uh, it's Inoculant. Inoculants. Sure. Yep. Um, and what about, okay, so uh, squash seeds, is this a good time to plant your squash seeds or should we wait? I would wait. I
5: would wait till uh, at least the end of May, um, if not the beginning of June. They just really need warmer temperatures, warmer soil temperatures to really um, get growing. They can rot because <laughs> it's just too cold for them. They want uh, warmer soil temperatures probably in the 70s. Right now we're hovering right around 50, between 50 and 60 degrees on our soil temperature. Um, and so that's great for all those cool season crops. But warm season crops like squash just want, want you to wait.
0: Okay. So but now it's time for cool season. So what are some of the cool season crops?
5: Yeah. So um, it's any kind of green, lettuce, chard, kale, um, spinach. Right now is a great time to plant some spinach. Um, But then also peas and a lot of the root crops as well. So you can plant radishes and beets, Um, you can turnips, carrots, all those kinds of crops. And then a lot of the the kind of brassica family, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, all those kind of cauliflower crops
0: as well. And um, what's the difference between growing from seeds and growing from plants you buy?
5: So growing some seed can be a little bit more challenging because you're putting down seeds and then you're sort of crossing your fingers and hoping that they germinate. Um, I, I actually really advocate for for planting transplants if you can, um, just because then you, you know that it's there and you put it there to start out with and it's, it's, it's off to a good start. That can also help uh, minimize weed competition because it has a little bit of more of a head start over those weeds. Um, but both can be highly successful. like there's a lot of crops that just don't make sense to grow um, from transplants, like like radishes you, you just gotta seed those peas, you just gotta seed those that makes more sense.
0: And um, I do a shout out to some uh, great local places to get these seed starters. I know uh, River Bend Farm, um, they're going to have um, seeds of avail- or plants available at Seward Co-op. Um, there's Mother Earth Gardens um, and the Minneapolis Farmers Market. So actually trying to support our local economy as we run out and buy these plants. Um, any other and, and, and i know there's uh, gardening is so personal everyone does it so differently i have a friend that she it almost like you couldn't see that there's food in her yard but it's almost all hidden among these uh, other plants so i mean there's so many different ways of doing gardening and so it's sort of finding your own little um uh place yeah yep
5: definitely yeah it's it's, it's so fun and some people you know like i am a tomato lover um, I, I used to grow ninety five varieties of tomatoes this year. I have I have twenty
0: four, <laughs> twenty four <laughs> varieties from ninety five. That was your yeah. You are into science
5: because yeah. <laughs> I have to grow every size, shape, color I can find. Um, the red, uh-huh. the red, brown ones are so boring. So yeah, like why not all the funky colors and very fun.
0: Do you Do you have a favorite out of ninety five? Oh God, no. I have like I have twenty four favorites. <laughs> <to> twenty
5: four. <laughs> and I for like you know. 19
0: favorites and then six new ones to try this year. So, yeah. You know, and 2020 the year of the Victory Gardens. There are so many people right now who can't pay rent. They don't have money left. And how do we how do we do can can we can we grow food? I mean, how do we how do we come together as that community where we all do better when we all do better? I mean, um I know I saw one person reach out online. It was really sweet. I was like, I live in an apartment. And someone else put out, well, I'm not gardening. Garden in my yard. There's a a thousand little steps people are doing all over the place.
5: Definitely. And people are sharing seeds. There's an effort in St. Paul where people are putting seeds in little free libraries for people. Um, There's this, you know, and and I think (laughs) probably the, the best place to go is to our community, our own community, our own neighbors. If you see somebody who has a huge, beautiful yard filled with of, full of plants and you want to learn how to grow, go talk to them. Uh, you know, from you're six feet away. Yeah, six feet uh, away. <laughs> safe, safe social distancing practices, but um, they probably have more seeds than they know what to do with and can definitely share um, and are happy to share and excited to share. So I think that that's, you know, we are each other's best resource.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I know there's there was a, a growing local food movement after the 2008. Um, a lot of Community gardens really popped up then, and uh, so, and and it, it it to me just imagine what our city would be like differently if we had fruit and nut trees and berry bushes and gardening all gardens all over the place. I mean, it, it, it improved the pollinators, it improved water quality, it improved mental health, um, and create more exercise, uh, have have food sources. Um,
5: yeah. And I and I think, you know, we do have a lot of that out there too. Um, but we can always use more of it. Yeah. It's definitely Yeah.
0: So how how would someone connect with a of a a, a, a a community garden? I mean, how can people connect into this community?
1: You
5: know, that's that's definitely a tricky thing. Um You know, finding the right contact person for that is is one of the things I was talking to someone with with Homegrown Minneapolis, and they say that probably 40% of the emails that they get are people wanting to know how to connect with community gardens. And so I think that that's something that um, we at the Hort Society can kind of help support uh, moving forward. Um, You know, that's that's definitely part of our mission is to help support those community gardeners and people who want to garden, Um, you know. Sometimes there's contact information at the if you can find the garden near you, try to find someone in it, and they can connect uh, you to that. Um, there's a the community garden listserv is still alive and well and yeah. active, um, and so that's a really great way. That's a e-democracy e-democracy um,
0: listserv, listserv ComGuard. Yes, how yep. do people get on that?
5: Um, uh, I believe if you just go to the e-democracy website, you can find a link. We also have a link on our uh, resource hub under the community garden um I had a, a link to subscribing to that listserv yeah that's so, a great way of posting on there we've had lots of people post on there as well to, to ask you know how do we find the person for this garden or
0: yeah there's yeah. some that that's a really cool listserv. I, I love it so Courtney cheetah with the Minnesota State Horticulture Society um, what's the website and what can people find on your website
5: uh they also put out the, the northern Gardener magazine um, there are just tons of resources to help get started on starting starting seeds, starting gardening, growing, uh, lots of webinars, all kinds of great resources on that website.
0: Great. Well, I so appreciated your time today. And, you know, farmers markets, co-ops, CSAs. Um, um, uh, victory Gardens everywhere. I mean, it just makes so much sense. I wish we'd do it faster. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there, right? Uh, we all do yep. better. Okay, when guys. We'll we get there. We'll get there. Uh, you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM
1: 950. So tell your neighbors and even the strangers there's so much to share.